0: Thank you for visiting theopenword.org, where you can find a verse-by-verse exposition of almost the entire Holy Bible and other theological resources. Welcome to the next part of the series from Alan Schaefer.
1: Anyways, we're in Romans chapter one, and we're, we're slowly making our way through it. I'm glad um, Brenna came to check my math. I did pronounce her name right, right?
2: Well, Sammy's here to check your... I
1: pronounced your name right, right? Brenna. Brenna okay. My name, my memory's going with names. <laughs> well, All right. Be sure to
2: check your theology. Okay, I got, I got, I got this. theology. <laughs> All right, well, we got everything
1: covered here. That's good. All right, we need, we need this. Yeah. 6.02 times 10 to the 24th. All right, see, I needed somebody to check my memory, my math. 23, not 24. Oh, it's .604 times 10 to the 24. How's that? All right, that's better. All right, anyways, we're in Romans chapter 1. And uh, we've been talking about, um, starting in verse 18, the section where Paul's going to indict humanity, basically, and show how all of us are under sin. And um, he starts by really sort of having three major groups of people. One, the people that have never heard about God. All right, this is the... People that are in remote places of the earth that have never heard about Jesus, never heard about God, don't have a Bible, nothing like that. And then he talks to the moral person who is the educated, the, the erudite, the Greek scholar, the, the wise person. You find these on college campuses, all right? And then he's going to talk to the religious folk. These are the folk that are the Jews. They say, yes, we, we have the Bible, we have the scripture, we have the truth of the word of God. And he's going to show all three of these groups that in all of of them, in different ways, they're all responsible before God. And he starts out in verse 18 with the person who doesn't know God. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed. Again, present tense verb, which means what? What's a present tense mean? Right now. Right now, even as we speak, God's wrath is being poured out. All right. And as we look around the world today, can we see God's wrath being poured out? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yeah. You got natural disasters, don't you? Yep. Oh, yeah. You've got diseases. Yep. You've got wars. Mm-hmm. You got crime. Mm-hmm. You got sin. All right, we live in a fallen world. Things don't work right. Okay, there's accidents. You know, ATV, air, you know, people that things. You know, there's always. We live in a fallen universe, a fallen world that is under the curse. All right. And God's wrath is being worked out in that sense. And again, what is God's wrath? Is it an emotion or is it a characteristic of his nature? It's a characteristic of his nature. It's not that God gets mad. It's not that God works up his anger. Rather, what is it? What it is, is God's wrath is an innate attribute of his being.
3: I'm glad you use that word again, innate. It's intrinsic. Innate, you have to be
1: born. Okay, but it's an intrinsic. Intrinsic. Okay, my theologian, help me out there. It's an intrinsic characteristic of God. Right. It is part of his being. It's who he is. So when you take God and you put sin in his presence, his immediate automatic response is that of wrath against that sin. All right? So God's wrath is being poured out against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their own own unrighteousness suppress the truth. Again, present tense verb. What is it? present tense? It's happening now. What are men doing? They're holding down the truth. Now that is evident, isn't it, in our world today? Again, what do you see on the news? Do you see news anymore? You see spin. You see spin. It's a narrative. It's not news, it's a narrative. And you see that not only in the news cycle, but people today, you know, they have an idea on something and they suppress that which they don't want to believe in. Confirmation bias. I'm going to listen to the things that you know agree I agree with, and if I don't agree with it, I won't listen to it. I'll go do my own thing, you know. And it says men are suppressing the truth, and how do they suppress the truth? For what may be known about God is plain to them. What's the idea of plain? It's, you can see it. It's obvious. You've got to go to college to lose that. It's obvious what is around you. It's, it's plain to everybody. Because God has what? Shown it to them. God shows them something. Everybody. This is everybody sees this. This is called in theological terms general revelation. What's general revelation? Look around you. Look around you. That's general revelation. You can see there's order in the world. And it says here, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. What two things can every single person on the planet know about God? He's powerful. All right. And he is a God of order. He's a God of creation. He's a God of beauty, of wonder. Why is it that you enjoy a beautiful sunset? Why is it that I enjoy walking through the woods looking at the fall leaves?
3: What he created.
1: I love what he created. I mean, you know, there's some pretty marvelous stuff out there that God has created. God, why is it that you decorate your house? Yeah, I mean... You know, when, when I went to paint my kitchen, one of the great decisions I had to make was what color to paint the wall. You know, do you paint it bright purple? Yes. Probably not, right? Depends on who you are. Well, it depends on who you are, I guess, you know. But, but the point is, yeah, but the point is you're probably going to pick a color that matches the decor. Or, you know, you just don't put up any color at all. You know, and I was walking through the woods this last week. And I was thinking, God could have created us with monochromatic vision, couldn't he? You see black and white. But what has God done? He's given us colors, beauty, wonder. He's created it. Paul is saying you can see that. And men suppress it. His eternal power and Godhead have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. You look around at the things that have been made. You see God's eternal power and Godhead. You see it's clearly there's something out there. And you are responsible for that. Everybody is responsible. And here's the problem. The smarter you are, the more responsible you are. Right?
3: Mm Much is given, much is required.
1: Yeah. So I, I actually, and this is where I need Brenna's help on this. In fact, I'm probably going to give her this and have her check over my math to see if I got it all correctly um, done here and all of that kind of stuff, you know. But, but here's the thing. The problem is when you have a scientist in a class, they can check you and tell you you're full of beans if you say the wrong thing. So hopefully I got this stuff right. All right. One of the things that you do... I I love watching you know astronomy and like the Hubble Space Telescope and seeing the beauty of what God's created out there. It's just awesome, you know what, what you see out there. All right, and one of the things the Bible says stars differ in glory from one from another. And we found out when you get a, make a telescope, you look at the Hubble or Hubble. What do you see? Every star is different. In fact, there's no two stars out there that are exactly alike. They're not. All of them are different. They have different elements in them, different colors. In fact, the stars, actually, stars have different colors depending on how hot they are or cool they are. The cooler the star, the more red it is. The hotter the star, the more blue it is, all right? And if it get really hot, it's really blue, okay? And it's the color of the light that comes from the star. Every star is different. Yeah, and what's interesting is when you talk in photography, in photography, all right. When I say I want to warm a picture up, that means I want to make it a little bit redder, and when I want to cool a picture, I make it a little bit bluer. But in scientific terms, the hotter the object, the more blue the light. It's called black body radiation. All right, black bodies. You take a. It's frequency of wavelength. See, I love this. This is great. Yeah, so the. yeah, so the more the more energetic the light, the shorter the wavelength. So you go from red, you go through the visible spectrum to blue, you work your way up into infra ultraviolet, you work your right way up to x-rays, gamma rays, cosmic rays, right on up the scale. The more frequency is the more energy that that light has, okay?
3: On a book I just finished reading yesterday by an awesome physicist who spent decades being an atheist, who came to Jesus and discovered science and Christianity hook up like yes,
1: glue. yeah, yeah,
3: and it is so profoundly written that I already sent. One to my son who's working on his Ph.D. in physics and to my brother who's interested in quantum physics. And I want, anybody who wants that book, give me your address and I will send it to you.
1: All right, that's awesome. So, yeah. So we go, so if you look at stars, The the stars are are grouped into what they call the main sequence, and there's stars that are off the main sequence. Um, But there's a star out there called an O star, O type star they call it. These are not a lot of those. By the way, if you look up in the night sky, and you look at star size, by the way, star size and light, the bigger the star, the hotter it is. The smaller the star, the cooler it is. All right, 88% of the stars that you see in the night sky are smaller than our sun. 4% are larger. Twelve percent or twelve percent are about the same, or eight percent are about the same, about the same white size. And white they're the, they're 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 way down. The white you got your your neutron stars, your black holes, your white dwarfs. Okay, but I'm talking about the O-type star. The O-type star is the big, big baddies. Okay, their mass is 30 to 50 times that of the sun, which are big, huge. All right, they're extremely hot. Um, The surface of the sun is about 5,600 Kelvin, which is somewhere around 5,600 degrees centigrade, which if you do the conversion is somewhere in the 11,000 degree range, I think, 10, 11,000 degree Fahrenheit range. These O-type stars are 30,000 degrees Kelvin, which is very hot. I had a uh, poster that I got from National Geographic
4: that I loved in my classroom. Um, Regular, you know, size poster, and a very, Bottom corner was our solar system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that makes up one dot in a cluster of stars, which makes up one yeah. dot in the in the Milky Way, which makes up one dot in a supercluster. Right. Which finally, the whole thing is just the known universe.
1: Yeah, that's just the known part. Which is only five percent, by the way. And God is immense. This is what God created. But this O type star, what I found interesting about an O type star is they're very hot. Okay? Now, here's the thing if the star is hotter, how fast is it burning its fuel? Quicker? Faster, Faster all right? Okay, so O type stars are 30 to 50 percent. Sorry, I'm getting into this, but it's sort of cool to get. Just, just deal with me on this. Uh, what I find fascinating is these, these stars are very light. There's one out there called Eta Carinae which is like, I think the diameter is somewhere around the diameter of the Earth's orbit. I mean, that's how big this thing is. It's an O star. It's really hot, really blue, really big, huge, okay. And um, hydrogen, is becoming helium. hydrogen is becoming helium at a faster rate, okay. But here's the problem with star formation. We're told if you, I've watched a lot of programs on National Geographic and Discovery and all that. And all of them out there, their people come out with PhDs, they've got letters after their name. They can do math, none of us can do. And they tell us that stars are created by gas that condenses. All of them say that. In fact, you go to any college, take any astronomy course, it say, well, stars come like gas that condense, and that's, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter, pretty soon it ignites and poof, there's your star, okay? Here's the problem with that. There's a lot of problems with that model, all right? But here's the problem with that, okay? Basically, they say that as this gas condenses, the center of the gas cloud heats up. Once you get to about 15 million degrees, you start fusion. Why 15 million? Well, you've got to have enough energy to force the atoms to overcome the electrostatic force pushing them apart. You've got to have a very hot center, 15 million degrees. That's a lot of heat, by the way, all right? Very hot, okay? Once that starts, the star begins to burn. Well, what happens when the star starts to burn? What's it going to do? Produce energy. What happens to the outer layers of the star? They're starting to get pushed away. You know, you got fusion going on, okay? Now, the way this works is that in a star, if you get the, if you get the 15 million degrees with hydrogen, it's going to start fusing, okay? How big does a star need to be to get to about 15 million degrees? Well, somewhere around the size of our sun. So how do you get them bigger than that? You follow what I'm trying to get at? A lot more gas? But how do you get more gas? Because once you get a certain critical amount of gas, it's going to start burning. The biggest question you need is where did the gas come from? Where did the gas come from? Okay. But the whole point, well, they say that came from the Big Bang and all that other blah, 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 mumble, mumble, mumble. But the whole point there is this. The problem is you can't get enough gas collected. You know, these stars are 50 times the weight of the sun. How do you get that much gas together before it begins to fuse at a much smaller amount of gas and pushes all this other stuff away? How do you get a big star? It's not random. It's designed. It's designed. Okay. Here's the other problem with that. O-type stars only last about 30, 40 million years before they burn out. Why do we see O-type stars today? If the universe is 14 billion years old, we shouldn't see any of these. They should have been long gone. Why do we see them? Why are are 4% of the stars you see in the sky these large stars? You shouldn't see any of these things. I thought of a way to, let's say I have a wood pile, and the property of wood is if I get 50 pounds of wood together in a pile, it begins to automatically burn. How do I get 1,000 pounds of wood in a pile? It's going to burn before I can get that much. Follow what's going on? The star ignites before it can get big. You, you can't, it doesn't work, okay? It doesn't work, okay? It just, you can't, you can't make, it. now they say, well, the way this happens is stars merge together. All right, well, the problem is I got to have 50 of these stars merge together to get me a blue giant. That ain't going to work. That, that, the problem is they don't have, here's the problem when you deny God, you don't have any answers, but if you look at this, you say, what did God do? God said in the beginning, let there be light, there was, on day three, he made the sun, moon, oh, on day four, I mean, he made the sun, moon, and he made the stars also. How'd he do that? Stars. Tell me stars, you did everything else stars. He created them, see? And <coughs> what happens in a star, and then, then you have another, I'm going to get to the other problem here in a minute, but let me, let me talk about, they say, well, just condensed gas. So we just need enough gas to condense. All right, I did the math on this. This is where Brenna can come in and help me on this. All right. In empty space, you have one-tenth of an atom per cubic centimeter. That's the density of empty space. So cubic centimeter, about like that, 0.1 atom. So if I have a meter, right, about a yard, meter, square meter, you have 10,000 atoms in a square meter, 10,000 atoms in empty space in a square meter. All right. In a nebula, which is a gas cloud, okay, it's a little bit higher. In a glass, in a, that, they tell us in a gas nebula, you got 10,000 atoms per cubic centimeter, or you have 1 times, uh, 1 trillion atoms in a cubic meter. So you got a trillion, all right? So 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 is 1 trillion, if I did my math right. You got a trillion of those, okay? Well, that's a lot of atoms. No, it's not. You just breathed in trillions of atoms in your last breath. All right? So that's not a lot of atoms, actually. All right? So how many atoms are in the sun? Well, we're told it's 1.18 times 10 to the 57th power. Does everybody understand what times 10 to the... 57. So it's 10 times 10, times 10, times 10, times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10, 57 times. Yeah, that is that's a lot. It's like octillion, 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 or something like that. All right, it's a lot. All right. In fact, um, I'll tell you what it is here. See, 57 divided by 12 is trillion. So it's one trillion, 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 trillion billion atoms. That's a lot of atoms, right? In the sun. That's in the sun. We can't comprehend it. We can't comprehend this number. That's just in the sun. So. How big, how big of a nebula do I need to compress it down to make a sun? How many? How big? Well, let's think about this. We look at the volume of the solar system. Out to Neptune, right? Neptune is 4.55 billion years, miles from the sun. So you do the math, 4 thirds pi r thir, r triple r cubed. All right? You get 3.94 times 10 to the 29th cubic kilometers. All right, 29 there is a trillion, trillion, billion, somewhere around in there. All right? That's a lot. That's a lot of space. All right? That's in the solar system. So how many solar systems do you need to get a sun, to get the gas for a sun? Well, you need 2.99 billion, billion, billion solar systems. You need, you need a volume the size of 20, 2.99 billion, 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 billion times the distance, the, the sphere from Neptune. You need a 29 billion, 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 billion of those to get enough atoms to make the sun. Now explain to me how that works. There's not enough gravity to pull it together. It's crazy. It's not, but see, look, if you deny God, what do you get left with? Yeah, explain this somehow. This is the best they can come up with. That's just to get the sun. That's just the sun part here, all right? And that's assuming, you know, a, a homogenous space with 10,000 atoms per, and they got to be hydrogen. They can't be anything else because you get a bunch of other atoms in there and it ain't going to work. It's crazy. Absolutely.
5: Okay, then here's the one thing I'm gonna ask about. Twenty one. Because although they knew God, they did not go off behind him as God. Now I don't know. It sounds like they knew him personally. Rather than and I'm i think they were oh, not as
2: yeah.
1: personal. I think it's both and. I think it's a both and There was a time when all of humanity knew God, and they said, we don't want that. All right? Having said that, however, Paul's also making the point you can look out in the sky and see God's eternal power and Godhead. So even without that revelation special, you still have what God has created. Oh, absolutely. Both of those components are there.
5: Right. Now, I think, here's what I think. Because although they knew of God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful but became a futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So I, I kind of look at it like they knew of God, but they did not glorify Him as God.
1: Yep.
5: Rather than just they knew Him like on a personal basis, a relationship. They didn't have that.
1: Well, it's a, there's two things here. Number one, there was there was there a time when all of mankind knew God. No, I was. Yeah. Yes. Having said, however, you take a scientist today who's looking out at astronomy and seeing the wonder of creation, and he says, well, this is just all a big accident from a point singularity that blew up 14 billion years ago. He's nuts. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have anything else. By the way, you know where they get 14 billion years old, billion years, Right. Yes. How did something come from nothing? From nothing, nothing comes.
0: Um, I maybe almost twenty-five years, 20, 20 years ago, I used to have an argument with my best friend who was atheist, and she'd always say, "Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Where did this come from?" Because she was some sort of atheist. Mm-hmm. But the final question that she'd always should ask, she would say, "Well, where did God come from?" So, yeah, that's what. I mean. the, but that's a hard question. But that's the God is who he says he is. He always will be. He's always yeah. there. And God has always been there. Yep. He doesn't owe us an explanation of how he got there. We no.
1: Just, and we I'm couldn't figure it out he if did he did tell us.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, at some point, faith. But what, what Paul is saying is that you could look out and see this in creation. You know, and you look at the numbers, it's like, it's crazy what they're, you know, because they just, the thing is, again, you look, watch TV while, well, you know, the, this glass cloud condensed, how big a gas cloud do you need? They don't talk about that. They don't talk about it's the... Meca- that it, takes more faith it takes more faith to believe, to believe that right. than right. it does to believe in an infinite God. Yeah. And here's the problem with this. You know, they say, well, it gravitationally attracts. Well, do you know what the gravitational pull is between two atoms in empty space? It's virtually zero. It's virtually zero. You can do the math on this. You know, I mean, a, a physicist in the room could do that. All right, um, let's take gold, just two gold, not, just two gold atoms in empty space, put them 10 centimeters apart and they're going to attract each other with a force of 7.13 times 10 to the negative 58th, negative, what's your unit? negative 58. Oh, what was the unit? Um, newtons. Newtons, yeah,
3: okay.
1: All right, a newton is a measure of force. By the way, um, if you're a hundred pounds, you weigh about a hundred newtons. All right, well, uh, excuse me, it's one, 10 newtons per kilogram. So if you're 220 pounds, you've got 100, well, what is that, 1,000 newtons, I guess, all right. This here, this here is being attracted to the earth by a force of 10 newtons. All right, that's, that's the unit, okay. In empty space, two gas molecules 10 centimeters apart are going to attract each other with a 58 orders of magnitude less. 58. You know how small that is? It's negligible. It's negligible. In fact, you put two kilograms of gold in space, just gold things, and they're going to attract each other with a force of 1.6 times 10 to the negative 24th Newtons. It's negligible. In other words, I can leave those two things 10 centimeters apart in empty space and they will stay there for the age of the universe and not come together. And the negative twenty-fourth means you nuclear move your... It Moves way out there. In other words, it's negligible. It's it's negligible. Okay. So and here's not only that, here's the other problem with your come together, they... Yeah, and here's the other problem. You got I got two hydrogen atoms. The force on that is even less. They come together, what's going to happen before they come together? What do you have? What do they have circling around them? A proton with an electron. What does the electrons do? They repel each other. Here's the point. Two atoms in empty space repel each other with well, a force 38 orders of magnitude larger than the gravity pulling them together. 38. One times 10 of the, it's extremely weak. The only reason, the only reason gravity is strong to us is because there's an awful lot of atoms in the earth pulling you down. Really. that's it other than that you wouldn't you'd float off okay here's the point the point is all of this stuff here's to just say listen when somebody comes along and says well we know that stars are formed by gases being condensed and pulled together they're full of beans there's not enough gravity there's not enough time there's not enough force to do that There's not, yeah, there's not yeah. When your was, you're not mass. Yeah. Well true. But I'm saying you're still You still got mass, but you don't have weight. Mass and weight are two different things. Two. Right. right. Yeah. Weight is a product of the attract the gravitational attraction. All right? Mass is just your number of atoms, you know, that you have. You know, that's different. That's what I had to figure out when I took physics, all this stuff. Here's the point I I, I enjoyed doing this because You know, I keep listening to these guys on TV telling me how the stars form and all that, and it's just like, you guys are nuts. Here's the other problem with that. How do you get a gold nugget? Well, what they say is that you got a star. It's it's about eight times the size of the sun. When it burns out, what happens? It collapses, all right, because it can no longer counteract (coughs) the force of gravity. The reason the sun is where it's at is because the energy produces enough to keep the gases from collapsing in on themselves. But what happens when that fuel runs out? It collapses down. Depending on how big the star is, it can do one of two things, three things actually. It can collapse to a white dwarf. It can collapse down to a neutron star. Or it can collapse down into a singularity called a black hole. All right? When the star collapses, which is actually very quick, think of the star, it's coming down and it hits a, and then it explodes back out. It's like a spring. It comes down, hits and blows itself out. And actually Chinese scholars found one of these in 1054 AD called the Crab Nebula. I don't know if you ever read about that, all right. But there's a star that blew up. They talked about this star. Today we point our telescopes here and we find there's a neutron star in the middle of this thing. And you see this massive expanding gas cloud. The glass cloud is now about 11 light years in diameter, all right, which is a long ways. All right, a really long ways, all right. If, it, yeah, li- and that light travels um, here, um, 186,000 miles a second. Yeah, so it's running a, yeah, a metric. So it's, it's, the point is this is trillions of miles in diameter now, this gas cloud. And it's moving away at 1,500 meters per second, which is fast. 1500 kilometers per second. Does anybody remember, do you remember, is it eight minutes it takes? Eight minutes for light to get from the sun to the, to the yeah. So this, this is big, it's huge, it's, it's large, okay? But here's the problem, all of these gas particles are moving away from each other at the rate of 1500 kilometers per second. All right, now how long is it going to take them to decide to stop moving apart and be attracted back together? What's one of the rules of physics? An object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon by an external force. You have a force of gravity that's so blasted weak, it'll never pull them back together. They'll never, they'll never happen. And here's the point, when, I blow, when this star blows up and it creates, what they say, the reason this is important is because they tell you that the gold, any, any element in the periodic table after iron is produced, they say, in a supernova. So gold, cobalt, um, chromium, uranium, lead, um, osmium, I mean, all kinds of elements after iron. Iron is number 26, so you got a bunch of them afterwards. Those are all created when a star explodes up because that's what, basically, in a star, in a fusion cycle, once you get to iron, it can't go any further because it can't fuse iron to higher elements because it takes energy to go into the system to do that, okay? So iron is the end of the line. When a star starts producing iron, it's near, it's, it's, it's about dead because it can't. It can't burn. It's, it's like how do you start a pile of ashes to burn? You can't burn ashes, right? It's, it's down all the way as far as it's going to go, all right? In order to get ashes to burn, you've got to add energy into the system to make them burn because they're not going to burn on their own, all right? So that's what they say, that this star explodes. You get all of these elements blown. Now, here's the thing. I've got a volume of gas that's 11 light years in diameter, made up of all kinds of elements all over the place, How do all the gold elements decide that they're going to all clump together to make you a gold nugget? It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. I use the analogy, I think, where if I take, uh, you know, a hundred pounds of flour, a hundred pounds of um, sugar, and a hundred pounds of brown sugar, and I blow it up with a ton of TNT, I'm not going to come back in a hundred years and find sugar nuggets. Right? Because that's been dispersed all over the place. All the sugar's not going to all clump together and the flour clump together. And it ain't going to happen. But they don't have any explanation. Here's the point. When you look out on the world and you see what God has created, what is Paul saying? They are without excuse. Every one of these scientists that get on that TV and say that we are formed from stardust. In fact, one of them... Um, he, he's got a suit on, and uh, he uses math I can't do. And he's smart. He's got degrees. And uh, he said we should be writing songs to our mothers, the stars, because they're the ones that birthed us. Now that sounds like somebody from Pongo Pongo, you know, bowing down to a rock. That it's just that we're bowing down to a star, but it's the same thing. Yeah. There's a few of them. But see, they are what? Suppressed. There's a lot of them. You're suppressed. Go try to find a job at a secular university saying, I'm a creationist, and you probably won't get one. You suppress the truth. Men suppress the truth. That which made me known of God is clearly seen in the things that are made. His eternal power and Godhead—they are without excuse. And then it goes on with, "For when they did know God, they did not give Him glory." What does it mean to give glory to God? Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge His power. Acknowledge what He's created. Acknowledge His existence. And not only that, they weren't thankful and appreciative for what God has created. Are you thankful for what God has created? I find myself often on my walks just walking along, seeing some beautiful thing, and I say, you know, Father, I'm just thankful I can see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate that. In fact, I'm thankful I have the energy to walk. Mm-hmm. And I can enjoy creation. I can enjoy what you've made. I appreciate the creator. I'm thankful to that. It's my
3: sanctuary.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I worship God in nature. Yes. Alright, I'm not a pagan, I just said I enjoy getting out, walking, and enjoying what God has created. Because, it's there. and then what happens, because they weren't thankful, because they did not honor God, because they did not acknowledge God, what did God do? God gave them over, what did he give them over to? The futility of their minds. What does it mean to be futile in your mind? Now, by the way, it doesn't mean they're stupid, does it? Are these people stupid? No, they're not. But futility of mind means you can't, you're drawing the wrong conclusions here. You're darkened. You can't see. You can't understand. Professing themselves to be wise. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. When I talk to a physicist who has a PhD and he says, isn't it wonderful how, you know, this all just happened out of nothing. I want to grab him by the shirt and, hello, anybody home? Hello, McFly, anybody home? Anybody really conceive truly of nothing? See, what they say is you got this singularity, this quantum singularity that's blew up into existence. Oh, really? And then you got some guy on there saying, well, you know, one billion billionth of a second after the universe, it looked like this. How do you know? Were you, there? Were you there? Oh, here's another problem. Why do we have matter in the universe and not antimatter? That's a big problem. What's antimatter? Antimatter is, it's flipped. What happens when you get two antimatter atoms together? What happens? Poof, they're gone. So if you have a, a SAMI and an anti-SAMI, they're going to blow each other up and destroy the entire solar system with the energy being, I'm serious. It's that much energy is going to be released. It, it's a phenomenon. Why do we see matter and not antimatter? Yeah,
2: there was a, uh, an atheist. I read this testimony by this guy that was an atheist. And he was he's a physicist and he was assigned the very thing that you did, uh, his task was, how long will it take for all these atoms up in the nebula to form a star, based on the, the, the they keep talking yeah. about the stellar, or star nursery. Right, all that kind of, yeah. Nebula, because you can see some stars here and there. They're, they call it the of pillars there. of creation, They're They're of creation. yeah. The gas coming together to form stars. He was assigned the test. How long will it take that gas in that nebula to gather together under gravity and form a star? And he worked on that and worked on that problem, trying to figure it out. Finally, he came back to his boss. This is a testimony. He came back to his boss and said, it's not gonna happen. It will not happen. There is no time I can come up with that uh, I can see that it would actually come together as a star. And in that revelation, he eventually then came to Christ. Yeah. And accepted. Because
1: here's the problem, if you use your brain.
2: And that that testimony, yeah. by the way, is one of 50 in the book in six days.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. In six That's days. a good book, by the way. 50
2: mm-hmm. testimonies by various scientists in their various um, disciplines. Yes of how they came to, to Christ through their own science.
1: Right. If you, if you are honest about it and you sit down and you try to do the math, I did this for hoots. I had to try and remember all my physics equations and all that kind of stuff from way back when, you know, and get the decimal points right. But it's like if you use your brain, it's an, it doesn't work. The math doesn't work. It just doesn't work. No, the gangsters. We used to think, wow, we've discovered atoms. And then, wow, the protons,
4: neutrons, and electrons. Wow. then they got quarks.
1: Yeah. And
4: you got leptons and W particles and Z particles.
1: And they just all keep... They got strange, charmed up and down. You can make it smaller. You can... Yeah. What did... did God made the things that are made by the things that are not seen. Right. How did he do that? He called it into existence. He's bigger than us.
3: To the book that you're gonna get if you want it, because you're gonna give me your address. He says he says that we see only
1: five percent. Oh yeah. Only five percent. five percent of the known universe oh, we the see. Known universe. We because we see yeah. and that's Yeah, we see what's there. Yeah. yeah. Right. But what's it say? It says there without excuse. You look at it. And because of that, they became futile in their thinking. What does it mean? They can't think. So you get geneticists to say, isn't it wonderful how genetics... Co-? And it's like, do the math on how that works, and it's astronomical. Mm-hmm. Your DNA has a billion, billion, billion codings in there. You get one of those wrongs, and you get cystic fibrosis. You get another one wrong, and you're dead. You don't even... No, that's what I was mentioning, talking with the Just one. Just one of those pairs out of whack, and you've you got a genetic disease, and you're dead. Yes. Explain to me how that all, information-wise, how that all just came together. It's information in there. And I, I got another um, DVD by um, Institute for Creation Research. I got a bunch of these. But she's a um, geneticist, and she talks about how in the genetic coding itself, there are multiple layers of coding in the genes. It's not just you got a single um, coding here. You got this coding, but if it's wrapped a certain way, you get another coding. If it's a three-dimensional, you get another encoding. It is, it's mind-bogglingly. Boggling. Oh, they you thought know. it was garbage. Well, they, found
4: they found it's, found it's not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, what you turn it on. So your
4: body had the ability
1: all the time, but it didn't have the switch. You have all these switches in your genes that are turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off. To, explain to me how that all just came about. By accident. What does it say? They became futile in their thinking. It's not that they're stupid. These scientists are not stupid. They just come up with the wrong answers. They don't have the right answers. You subtract God, you come up with the wrong answers. And their foolish hearts were darkened.
4: No. I got it from day one in school. They never told you about any no. scientists. All you got was basically science is the answer to finding out
1: everything. The way you get people to believe a lie is you say it long enough and it becomes the truth.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so that's what we're told. Everybody knows the earth is everybody knows the universe is fourteen billion years old. How do you know that? Background radiation, three degrees, it's the size of the universe, if if you blow it up, you get about a three degree background radiation, that's what we see, okay, it's 15 billion years old, give or take a few billion maybe. Um, That's how they come up with this stuff, everybody knows that, everybody knows the earth is four and a half billion years old, everybody knows we came from monkeys, everybody knows that.
3: But the thing is, they don't, except for believers, we, we know this, that on day one, when the the word said let there be and it became day by day by day it was
1: created aged yes therefore to measure the age of a tree on day 1 it was x years old because it looked so it looked to be a thousand years old but it was one it was, was one second adults.
3: old things were created yeah. in their adult phase there is no, I hate the question, which came first,
1: the chicken or the egg?
3: The chicken. The chicken dead. I
1: mean, you know. So measuring by yeah. radio. Uh, like carbon-14 dating? Yeah, carbon-14. So yeah, we get in all that.
4: Is it going to give you the No, carbon-4-T? it's not going to give you the right no. answer. Because you do
1: not know the percentage. No. Even though you know the half-life of things are changing, you don't know. You don't know the original was proportion. Was you assume the proportions then are what the proportions are today. You can't assume that. You don't know that. All right. So so when you start looking at this stuff, it, it, they became futile. And God darkened their hearts so it becomes darkening. You, you suppress it. You don't want to hear it. You keep thinking wrong. You get darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. And that's what we see today. Men are darkened. Their foolish heart was darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So you go to colleges and you got, I'm Mr. Ph.D. I got letters after my name. I'm smarter than you. You said, no, you think we came from stardust. You're dumb. You're an idiot. But you can't tell them that because, see, they got letters after their name and they're smarter than you. You know, and they got people that think they're smart. All right. Yeah. Got it darkened it. And they, what they do, they exchange the glory of the incorruptible God into images resembling mortal man, beasts, animals, and creeping things. They change the glory of God into something corruptible. So instead of worshipping God as the creator, we need to write as Kachu or Kaku or whatever his name is. He's a physicist, I forget. You know, he's one of those you see on Science Channel all the time. Mikao Kaku, I think is his name. Um, he said we need to write songs to our, to our mothers, the stars, and worship the stars for creating the elements that make up our bodies or we wouldn't be here. And,
3: even if that's
1: and he's got a suit two, on. He fails to tell us how, where the stars came from to do the creating. Well, we just, we just, we just know that it came from a singularity and we... Right. You know, you can see, the problem is, you know... Here's the problem, when, when you get to the bottom of a hole, they just keep digging. Mm-hmm. They don't quit digging, they just keep digging. Well, where did the universe come from? Where did the singularity come from? Where did it, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. And I heard um, Stephen Hawking, of course, get on, who's one of the brilliant, really a brilliant mathematician, It really is. Um, Say, well, we know God doesn't exist because if God existed, he would have to be part of the universe created after the Big Bang. Since nothing existed before the Big Bang, therefore God could not exist eternally. I say, okay, whatever you say, Stephen. I refuse to do anything. It's a refusal. Where did God come from? God is. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's something to understand. I'm sorry we're running out of time. I, I, go, I blow over you a little bit. Listen, we are becoming. What do we, what do we mean by that? You're not a human being. You're a human becoming. What do you mean by that? None of you here are the same as you were when you walked in that door. You're a little older. Hopefully, you're a little smarter. Mm -hmm. Or you know whatever. You're changed. You're different, right? God is. Yes, realizing that you can't get something from nothing, and God is infinite. He is. No. He's always been here. He is the same. Made. Mm-hmm. God is not in the process of becoming. He is. He is. He, he's not becoming something. He's not smarter today than he was 6,000 years ago. That's the process theologian boys. They want to say God's getting better at this God thing because he's had some practice. No, he's not had practice. God is. God. In fact, there's only one being in the universe. God. The rest of us are becoming. (laughs) We're becoming something. We're we're in transition. If there's anything that's, and we're created. We are contingent beings from God. We are in the process of becoming. God is. Mm -hmm. And when you take the God that is, and and you get rid of him, mm -hmm. you got to come up with something. So you come up with some other God, whether it's a animal or a snake or a. Beetle or a star. we got to worship that. What's God saying here? What's Paul saying here? The, the heathen, the man who does not know God, and we're going we're gonna to show how they, get, how they keep digging the hole next week because this is just the first step down. See, what happens is this is a cumulative process. You start out, if you get to the point where you don't, you don't acknowledge God and you wind up being um, idolaters, you, you've erased God, There's a step going down which is immorality. There's a step below that. There's even a step below that. It's getting worse. Because there's no corrective. There's nothing to acknowledge that God is. And God gives you over to this stuff. What does it mean to be given over? Go. How many of you as parents, your kids say, I want to do this, I want to do this. No, 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 I want to do this. Fine, go do it. It's going to leave a mark, but go. It's going to leave a mark, but you let them go. God says, I'm going to give you over. If you deny God, you're going to find yourself in a spot where he's, you, you can't see him because you don't want to see him. But if you use your brain, as Sammy said with the book, and that if you think, wait a minute, where did this come from? You're telling me all this came from nothing? Really? You believe that?
2: Opened a little bit more to science over the years, and if you think back, I remember computers having color monitors. That oh, that was the bomb, wasn't it? Two hundred fifty-six colors, yeah. and then it, then it mushroomed out to sixteen million colors. Yeah, yes. I mean, there was a process there. Yeah. But my point is, is that uh, all those numbers were based on the factor of two. Yeah. But yes. and mm-hmm. with with the computer and whatnot and What's what's mind-boggling to me is that I'm so grateful that I only
1: have a book with 16 million colors to pick from when we're looking for a color to paint a wall. Yeah. By the way, do you know that the human? Did you know that the human brain can distinguish up to 16 million colors? Do you know that? It can or can't. It cannot. It can. They say that the average person can distinguish up to like 16 million different colors. Uh, You're going to say, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to say some My my, friend, my childhood friend, I don't really contact with her anymore, uh, she and her mother were very, very brilliant agno- atheist agnostic. And each time they would throw a question back at me as 10-year-olds, the one question I would throw back at them and say, well, where did the Big Bang come from? And both of them would automatically stop And they weren't able to answer the question. And my my one friend would start arguing with me. I I don't remember all the arguments, but then her her mother said, I like you kid. I c I can't answer that, but she was a smart like professional I can't remember where somewhere in New York. But that was the one question they could never answer and when they said, Oh, we came from monkeys and then I would just ask so We have different genes, they wouldn't be able to answer that question. No, I'm I'm on her Facebook page, but that's what I remember. you can't, years ago, they
1: don't have the answers. You can back them into a corner, Mm -hmm. and if you back them in a corner big enough, they it answered the way my physics professor did. We're here, aren't we? Mm -hmm. It had to happen my way. Oh, really? So, anyways, I went too long. So, <laughs> when they don't start church to All right. Yeah. Well, it's amazing to me that <laughs> when I finally realized, it took more faith to believe. Oh, it does? Yeah. Yeah. It did. Right. By the way, just understand something here. The scientists say science is science. It's a religion. Yes. Oh, yeah. right. It's a religion. That understand that it is at the basic core. It is right. Right. a religion. Right. You just got different gods and different priests and different priestesses. You can see some of them on TV. They are the priests of a new religion, but they, yes, because here's again: if you deny God, you got to answer the, you got to come up with a question: How do we get here? You got to have, you got, we're here somehow, and that's the best you can do. You know. Next week we'll pick up. Father, thank you so much for today, and thank you for revealing yourself in creation. I'm amazed every time I go out and take a walk in the woods or look up at the sky and see the wonders of the universe. It tells me you're a God of order, a God of beauty, a God of infinite power. I can't imagine how vast the universe is. My brain sort of stops and just spins. When I think of the vastness of that, what you've created, and when I look at the stellar universe and realize that it's created on day four with a, Almost an afterthought, and he made the stars also. I'm amazed at what you've done. And I'm thankful, Father, that I can see and understand and worship you for being the creator of the universe. And I pray that we would ponder these truths and realize that those around us who are lost do not see you. And help us to be witnesses and testimony and not give in to the thinking of this world. But acknowledge you as the creator of all
0: things. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening. This podcast was made in part with creative consulting and production assistance by Third Mass Studio. For your production needs, send an email to thirdmassstudio at gmail.com. For other lectures in this series and more biblical media resources, visit theopenword.org.